So, again, good morning. So we're back in Hebrews today after taking a few weeks off, three weeks actually. Uh, we had some good stuff go on though because we got a uh, sermon, uh, some updates uh, from Pastor David and we got an update from uh, Gospel for Asia and we got a message from uh, Pastor David and then we got uh, this week we were blessed by having Igor and Vita come and, and, and just truly bless us uh, with an update and so many great uh, stories of how God is, is moving in Germany through all of this that's going on in the world today. It's just amazing how it is. And by the way, they said if anybody's ever stopping, uh, going flying through Munich ever to hit them up, uh, and they will show you around the town. So uh, just a heads up. You go to Munich. I want to go to Munich now because it's a beautiful city, but I'm not going to get there, but, but I'd love to go. After seeing the pictures, it's one of them places, isn't it, Logan? You go, oh my gosh, I want to go there. There's so many amazing places in the world. So I said in week one that when you are in a relationship, you have to try to woo that person. When you're in a relationship, you're, you, you spend the whole time, if you want a successful relationship, this is, you woo them. You do stuff for them to, to, to make them go, oh, they're so special. And, and you, you, do, you do it back and forth. And I said that this is what ha- is happening in the book of Hebrews. That, that the writer of Hebrews... Through God's word, God spoke into him to speak this letter because all, all scripture is written by God. He used man to do it, but he wrote it all. So God really ultimately is wooing us. He's, he's telling us, look, come back to me. He was doing it for the Hebrews in this letter because what had happened at this time is that the Hebrew people, they've been following Christ for a little bit and then they started adding their Jewish customs back into their way of thinking, and started putting other things in the same parallel as Jesus, saying these are just as good as Jesus. We, we can worship Jesus, but we also need to worship this and this and this and this and this. And they kept adding stuff, and soon enough, they were far from being following Jesus. So what we have happening is a failure for these Jewish Christians to hear what God is saying to them. They are misunderstanding and they have ceased to listen and in so doing, somewhere along the way, they have replaced an internal, intimate relationship with Jesus for an outward religious persification of him. You see, they've added rituals to a relationship. So because... Where you cease to hear the message of God and where you cease to hear and be connected to God, you will always replace it with some kind of religious motive and neglect the inner realities, the inner testimonies that they have witnessed. We're talking about people that are either the generation of Jesus or they know somebody that knew Jesus that they wrote this letter to. This isn't like a couple, three hundred years later. This is like these people knew Jesus or they, their relation or their best friend knew Jesus. And these are the people that are walking away from Jesus. So I think the reason I think God told me to preach on this is I think we can do this so easily and you actually see it in the world today that people, especially 
uh, Christian organizations are adding stuff to the truth of God. See, if we are not tuned in to who God is, we will place it that with some religious motive, some kind of, this is what we say, this is what we do, this is how we act, this is what we watch, this is what we think is funny. This, you can name it. And you will put that religious kind of coat on and neglect or empty the inner realities of following and having a relationship with Jesus. Because that's what being a Christian is all about, is a relationship with the Savior. So, And what's happening to this group of Jewish Christians, that is, the book of Hebrews was written to. They had lost sight of Jesus. They have started to revel in despair and anger and frustration and loneliness, and they have missed out on and shut down the reality of God, actively speaking and actively trying to woo them. And God was still wooing them. They just weren't looking for it. So then, in week one, we looked at verses, Hebrews, the first four verses of Hebrews, one through four, and we said that Jesus, in them, in them four verses, it says Jesus is better than anything that's ever been created because Jesus is God. Then in week two, we looked at the, the verses 5 through 14 and said Jesus was better than the angels. See, at some point in some Jewish sects at this time, people, people were saying angels were on the same level as Jesus. And they're not. Jesus is ultimate. And then week three, we looked at that Jesus is the controller of the universe. Because we can go back to Genesis and say, God spoke. And anytime it talks about God speaking, that's Jesus is the word of God. So we're talking about Jesus. And then week four, we, we, talk, we looked at verses 2, 8 through 18. And we've seen that Jesus was the sovereign savior. Nobody else could have filled them shoes. You see, that's why Jesus, God himself, had to put on flesh and become a human being. I mean, he had to crawl inside a womb and be born and be fed and be looked after and Only he could do that because only he could live a sinless life. If if any person that has ever lived other than Jesus could have lived a sinless life, Jesus would never have to have been born. But we can't because we have the sin nature inside of us. So this section of the book that we're going to look at today is kind of a warning sign. It's a warning sign. We live in a society of warnings, by the way. You drove to church today, and you went past stop stop lights, stop signs, slow down, there's a band. We live in a world, we live in a world so full of warning signs, they put it on prescription bottles, and the warnings, I'm like, well, that's worse than what I have. And then, we are so, I shouldn't say this, so I'm not going to do that, actually. We now, we now have to put warnings on coffee cups saying the contents may be hot. Well, it's coffee. Of course it's hot. 
So, but we put a warning sign on it because we live in a time of warnings. Well, this was a warning being written. This part of Hebrews was a warning being written to the Israel, the Hebrews, the Jewish uh, people, telling them. At this point, the writer of Hebrews was warning the Hebrew nation not to return to the teachings of their Jewish religion. God is showing them that the new covenant that was made in and through Jesus Christ is more important than the ceremonial laws and teachings of the Jews. It was more important to follow Jesus. You see, the Jewish people had the utmost respect for Moses. They put Moses on this pedestal. So that's why in this chapter he's saying, no, Jesus is better than Moses. However, Moses was only a servant of God, not God incarnate in the flesh. You see, Christ would be greater than Moses because he was God. And saying that brings us to this week. And we are going to take a look at Hebrews 3, 1 through 19. We're actually going to do a whole chapter, maybe once this whole sermon. Yes, we can. The faithful servant. So let's start by reading verses 3, 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who, was, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been... Had, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was, the, was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in the hope, in our hope. See, Jesus was the divine servant. There was many servants, if we look in the Old Testament, we've got all these people that followed Jesus, but they were actually just a foreshadow of Jesus. They weren't perfect. See, Christ was appointed the high priest by God and was more faithful to God than Moses because he was God. We can look through the, 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 the book of Exodus and see how many times Moses questioned God and God's ability to do anything. We can read the New Testament. We don't see that with Jesus. We see Jesus just following his father. Doing what he was sent to do. Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says this. Talking about Jesus. But he emptied himself. He, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. But he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Jesus received as the builder of the house because he built this house we live in. 
Okay, he received more praise than the house itself. Christ built the house Moses lived in. You see, Jesus created the world. So Moses just lived in the world that Jesus created. When, 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 when Jesus spoke the world into existence, he spoke you and me into existence, even though we weren't born yet. John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Christ is the creator. John 1.3 says this, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See, the Bible says Jesus made it all. So we can't question who made what we see. The Bible tells us if we are Christians and we say we believe every word in the Bible, because that's what I say, I believe the book was written by God and all the words in it are God's words, written by man, but he, he ordained it to be. So Jesus is the creator of the universe. Colossians 1.16 also says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. See, Jesus right now is sitting on a throne, ruling. Moses was just a forerunner, just a forerunner, For the coming of Christ. The living Bible puts verse 6 like this. Of Hebrews. But Christ. God's faithful son. Is in complete charge of God's house. He lives in in us. If we keep our courage. Firm to the end. And joy. And our trust in the Lord. If we keep it. See now. It's going to change. The tone of the, this chapter is going to change in a little bit. And it, it, it's the warning signs. Because he's saying, if we do this, this is what's going to happen. God is going to keep us if we follow him. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new one has come. So if you've put your trust in Christ Jesus, you are new. You're not the old self. And this is why he's writing to them. And this is why he's writing to us ultimately. Because every time we want to, we, we chase the world. We, we, we're, we're taking off the robe of, of newness and taking on our, new, our old life and becoming our old self. When, when Jesus still lives in there and he's saying, no, 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 follow me. Follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Hebrews goes on to say this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
Jesus is the demanding servant. I say this. When you choose to follow Christ, he expects something from you. Grace is free, absolutely. If you believe, if you put your trust in Christ Jesus, you'll be saved. I think it changes you, but you'll be saved. But what happens is that change is not, I have to do something for, for, for God. I have to do it because of what Jesus, I get to. I say it a lot. I get to be up here and preach God's word. I don't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. And I feel like I'm the least person that deserves this because I know me. And I look at everything I get to do for Christ is I get to. I get to take my, the money that God gives me and give it and do stuff with it. I get to help people. I get to stop and talk to people. I find myself days that I'm really busy, but when somebody comes up to me, I want to talk to them because God put them in my life for a reason. God put them at that point, at that time, and if I don't take time for them then, I'm not actually letting God work through me. But I get to do that. Yes, sometimes I go, God, you know, just a few minutes would be nice. But we get to serve God. And I can't believe that. That, that I, I hate this thing that, that we preach sometimes that, 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 yes, you're saved by grace. And then people go out and do whatever they want. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The, the Bible teaches when you're saved by grace... It will cost you something because once you accept that grace, you are accepting Jesus as not only your Savior, but your Lord. And the last time I checked, a Lord tells people how to, how to live. He knows the right way because he created us. So he's the demanding servant. See, we need to listen to Christ. Don't make the same mistakes Israel made in the wilderness. This is what he's saying. Don't do what the Israelites did. You know, we have to have, we have to know to listen for God. And we have to know that God is patient, by the way. God is very patient. That's why verse 9, Living Bible says this. But God was patient with them 40 years. Can you imagine? God provided for them for 40 years, by the way. He provided in the desert for 40 years for them. Though they tried his patience sorely, he kept right on doing his mighty miracles for them to see. This is why Hebrews was written. This is why Church exists is to, to continue to tell the message of Christ Jesus. But look at their plight. Waiting for man to help. They kept going to man to help them and not God. See, we should look to God. See, Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. But because 
of their indifferences. God did kind of punish them, didn't he? They walked around for 40 years until the one generation was dead and couldn't enter into the... And he's warning. This is, like I said, this is a warning to Christians that were following their Jewish tradition and started putting Jesus on a pedestal, uh, Moses on a pedestal, and all these prophets, King David, and all these things. They kept putting these back into the picture when Jesus was the, 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 the one and only Savior. And we can't earn that salvation. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. And we're not going that, to... That, that, he rewards us just by saving us, by the way. We're saved. That's the biggest reward we could ever ask for. I've said this. If God takes everything away from me, I didn't deserve any of it anyway. He's already given me more. When he went to the cross, he gave me more than I could ever have. That is if he takes my grandchildren, my children, my wife. He takes all the money that I don't have. He takes my house, puts me on the street. He's still God. He doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe you anything either. That's how gracious a God we have. Because the last time I checked, we all have roofs over our head. We have a nice church to come to worship him in. We are truly, truly blessed. All stuff, by the way, that we don't need. But he gives to us anyway. Verse 12 uh, through 15 says this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. See, we need a a departing from sin, that should be from sin, not to sin. We need, we need to stop departing from God in our choices. See, this is what they're talking about here is, is what the Puritans and, and my hero, Charles Spurgeon, outside of the Bible, says would be backsliding, where you start adding stuff to your Christian belief. Well, if I pray this way, God's definitely going to bless me. Look, why am I sick? I, I look at my life and go, gosh, you grow me more in my pain and suffering than you've ever done in my health and my, 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 when life goes good, I can tell you I'm not growing. I need a little bit of pressure, a little bit of push down, and I think all people do, to know that I'm not in control, and he is. See, John 6, 
66 says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. After what? After, after he claimed to be God, went to the cross, people said, Whoa, 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 he's going to die for me. Die? They didn't know he was dying for them at the time because they didn't understand the message. And they ran away from him. They ran away. Jesus didn't have that many followers when he went to the cross. See, we need to confess. That is what, when, when they say, speak to each other about these things every day. We need to have brothers and sisters that we can talk to because we all slip and we all slide. We all think things that we shouldn't think. We all do things we shouldn't do. That's why we need other brothers and sisters to hold us up. And, and, and we need to hold other brothers and sisters up. That's why from the beginning I've said we need to build a family. Family that trusts each other. That can come and, 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 and talk to each other and build each other up. And it's probably hard because some of us that didn't grow up in a household where our family would build us up or our family would watch our backs. But that's what we should be doing for each other. We should have each other's back. So we should be able to talk to each other about our struggles. When somebody says, how are you doing? You should say, no, I'm, 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 this week's been hard for me. I've struggled this week. And start a conversation. Because that's how we're going to hold each other accountable. We need to be steadfast. Revelation 2 says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. By faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Because you know this, this life... It's just a dash at the end of the day on your tombstone. And one day we're going we're gonna to be in glory. We're going to be in heaven with, with our Savior. With God watching over us. And we are going to be, it's going to be the most awesome, awesome. That's what awesome is, by the way. That is awesome. Everything else, not so much. That is actually awesome. When we are there, when we can praise God and when we can still work and do all the stuff that that God has us do in heaven, whatever that is, it will be brilliant because there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. We'll be under under Jesus' care forever. That is what we've got to look forward to. So the battle is worth the fight. Hebrews 3:16 through 19 says this for you for who were those who heard and yet rebelled was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses and with whom was he provoked for 40 years was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that he w- that they would not enter his rest but to those who were disobedient so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. 
They were disobedient and suffering. You see, there's going to be a day. If you've put your trust in Christ, you don't have to worry about that day of destruction. Where, where the sinful world is going to be thrown in the how, whatever you want to call it. I, I just simply call it how, what it is. Where, and the, what that is, is a separation from God. A separation from God. There will be no God there. He is there, by the way. You just won't know he's there because God is everywhere. See, God was angry with Israel, and this is what he's talking about, because they were, they were complaining, Israel's complaining, and the result, they died in the wilderness. You see, they, which blows my mind, but we would have probably made the same choice, so I, I'm not judging them, because I always put myself on the bad side, not the good side, because I know my heart. But, but they had just been rescued, rescued, out of Egypt. The, the, the Red Sea parted. They got to go through. They watched all of the Egyptians die in this flood after them. Okay? They are wondering. And then they get to the borders. They send some guys in. And they come back. Only two of them said, yeah, we can take them. The rest of them said, oh, no, 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 no. They're giants. We ain't got enough force. God's just wiped out an Egyptian army. And that had to be fresh on their mind when they're going into the promised land that God has promised them. And they say, oh, they're giants. What does that say about their faith in the God that just rescued them? I mean, we can laugh about that, but we do it all the time. We do that all the time. That's why I said, I'm probably with the eight that said, oh, no. The ten that said no, actually, but, the, but I'm with them saying, oh, no, they're giants. Because we soon forget what God has done for us. And we go, oh, that's too big a problem for God. We forget that God created the giants. We forget that God created that land. We forget all of that. So easily forget. We disbelieve him. So, we need not, we need not commit a big sin, by the way, to start to backslide. All we need to do is to be unfaithful to God. God wants us. He's called you. If you're sitting in there today, I personally know everybody in here, so I know that everybody has put their faith in Christ. He called you, that means. He wants you. And then we say, I can handle this, God. See, what happens, the little bitty sins we commit, they lead to criticism. They lead to gossip. They lead to us complaining. And then they lead to bigger sins and bigger sins 
and bigger sins. See, small sins always grow into larger sins. See, we must remember, that, though, there's a difference between sin, sinning habitually by choice or by sinning by error or failure. Both of them, by the way, we need to turn away from and we need to repent from. The slip of the tongue sometimes, it's probably not habitual unless it's every time you speak. If you smack your thumb with a hammer and something comes out that you don't think is glorifying to God, that is not a habitual thing. That is something that, that, that we, we, should, we should try not to do, but it's not something. But, but we even live in a society that, that the words I'm talking about are just said like out loud all the time, like it's nothing. I mean... It's just the way it is. And by the way, it's a worldwide thing. It's not just an American thing. It happens in England too, because I've been there. And that, but they say, they say, forking. That's how they say it. I just swore in church, but they say, I said F-O-R-K-I-N-G. But that's how they say it. Because Shelley's laughed the first time she heard it. Because they were saying, hey, across the street, they yelled this across the street. He goes, they just say forking? Like, I said, yeah, a fork. She didn't believe me, but. So, but little sins can turn into big sins. So we need to, we need to watch. But the only way we can watch is have faithful brothers and sisters in our lives. You see, this letter was written by a faithful brother of the Israelites. Whoever wrote it, whether it was Paul, I think, I, I'm starting to think it was Paul, or it was definitely somebody who knew Paul very well. But, but uh, he was being a faithful brother and warning his brothers and sisters of this problem. We need to be faithful brothers and sisters and help each other. Not come up straight and point, let people come to you. If you see something, don't bring it up like, hey, stop doing that. You need to have a relationship with somebody before you can actually point out their sin. You need to build a relationship, a strong relationship. And if you bring a strong relationship, you will accept somebody coming to you and saying, hey, you know, I seen you the other day. That, That doesn't go along with what you say you believe. How are you going to be a witness to God and the kingdom of God? If you act like that outside of the church. My wife constantly reminds me, by the way. Now I've become a past, the pastor at the church. My behavior matters. And, I'll, and I used to say to her all the time, by the way. I'm a sinner like everybody else, saved by grace. Which is true. But out there, people are going to judge me differently. Because I have a title now. I'm no different than I was before I had a title, but now I have a title. People look at you different, and I'm, I'm blessed, by the way, by having Shelly in my life to help me point that out and, and constantly have to point that out to me, saying, hey, you know, you've got to watch how you behave because you are representing, and I talk about that. We represent God. You don't need a title to be representing God. You should wear it proudly on your sleeve that you represent God. And then people will know. So then you have to, it's not because you want to impress God. 
you want to be God's soldier because that's what we are. We are doing God's work in this world. We want to witness to other people. And if we start acting like the world and doing all the things that the world does, people are going to look at us and they're not going to want what we got. We've got to give them what we really believe. So that means we have to change a little. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that you are an amazing God and that you picked this last song that we get to sing today, that it's called I Surrender All, an old hymn, but it's true. We need to surrender to you because we so easily pick up We so easily pick up the past. We so easily pick up all the the pain and suffering that we go through. And we, we turn it into sin. And we just, God, I just pray that we can just passionately follow you. I know we're going to have mistakes. I know it's not, not, we're not going to do this perfectly because I know we have a sin nature. But only through you can we work at this every single day. And become stronger. Help us to build relationships that hold us accountable, God. Help us to put people in our lives that we trust. That can help us grow in your love and kindness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.